I'm not the most avid hiker in the world, um, but I'd like to think that I could hike for a day and fare a little bit better than it seems like Elijah's faring in our first reading today. We just heard in the first reading that Elijah went for a day's hike in the journey, he stopped under a tree, and then starts praying for death. Lord, this is too much, take it now. And even like the most, like that's dramatic. We all know some dramatic people, I'm sure. That seems entirely too dramatic for it after a day's journey through the wilderness. Stop under a tree in the shade, get some rest, and say, and immediately, like, Lord, this is too much. Take my life from me now. I think unpacking what happens right before this helps to shed light on what, what's going through Elijah right now, and that reveals something to us that really impacts us in our relationship with the Lord. See, right before this, perhaps the most famous thing that we know about Elijah happened in the Scriptures. See, Israel had, had a, a long history of struggling with idolatry. They had all these other gods. Their God was the one who they, they, they said they would believe in, but more often than not, they would eventually sway to worship these other gods. And Elijah, he's a prophet to Israel in this time, and he sees this back and forth that's happening. So what he says is, like, enough is enough. So he brings all these, there's these 500 prophets of this false god that they're, that they're following, and he says, he basically challenges them to a duel. He gets all these prophets to come forward and says, okay, y'all offer a sacrifice to your god, and I'm going to offer a sacrifice to my god. The God that answers is the real God. We can't have this waffle back and forth anymore. If there's a God, that's the one we've got to follow. So if it's your God, let's follow that God. If it's my God, then let's follow, like, actually, let's follow God. So they, they set up this duel, so to speak, and so all the, the 500 prophets of the false God, they set up the sacrifice, and they, they ask their God to come and call down fire, take the sacrifice, and all day long they continue to do this. And the scripture says, after all that, Nothing happened, no one heard, because no one was listening. So they, he gave them all day to do that. Elijah then almost liked to rub it in their face to show how much he was, how confident he was that God would answer. He set up his sacrifice, he poured water on the, on, on the sacrifice three times, as if like to rub it in their face. Then he called that, and then he, he prayed to God, and immediately God sent down fire that consumed the water, consumed the sacrifice. And the, the evidence was clear. So Elijah says, like, okay, who, who are you going to follow? And Israel says, okay, we're going to follow God. Then Elijah knows Israel. It's something that we might think is a little bit dramatic. Um, and that's, this is what got him in trouble. He then said, okay, that's your answer. He had all the false prophets killed. Killed every single one of them. So we can't go back. There's, we, can't, we make this decision. We stick to our word. We follow God. There is no other option. There's no other option on the table. Problem was, the queen of Israel, ironically, followed this false god. Those were her prophets. So she heard what happened and sent a message to Elijah and said, may, may I be like these, these false prophets if tomorrow you're not like that? Essentially saying, like, by this time tomorrow you're going to be dead. So Elijah, hearing that, now seeing all the, the, in a very human way, fearing for his life, sets off on this journey. And so he's praying for death, not because this was a hard journey, just a little bit of a, he's not, he's not a weak guy. He has the entire, like, royal army of Israel after him. And after an entire life of kind of waffling back and forth with these people of Israel, like, God, like, I can't do this anymore. So he makes this, this prayer to God and says, like, God, like, I, I, I can't do this. Like, take this all away from me. I don't know what you think I am or who you think I am, but I'm no better than anybody else. I can't handle this by myself. God hears that prayer. And God responds 
by sending an angel and says a beautiful line. She says, he comes and he says, arise and eat, or else this journey will be too great for you. Elijah recognizes, God, I can't do this. He makes that beautiful, honest prayer to God, and God responds by providing him the food that he needed for the journey. And he wouldn't have been able to make the journey without that food, God says. If you don't eat this, you're not going to make it. The journey is going to be too great for you if you don't eat the food that I have provided for you. You can see the obvious connection to the gospel. For the last three weeks or so now, we've been hearing Jesus in John chapter 6 say that like, he has come to give us food, that, and this food is not going to, like this is the food that we need for eternal life. And this food isn't, any, isn't an ordinary kind of food. This is the one food that, that will lead us to eternal life. Elijah ate this bread. He didn't live forever. The people of Israel ate man in the desert. They all died. Moses died. But I've come to give you a bread that will last forever. And if you don't eat this bread, like you, those who don't eat the bread will die. That's what Jesus is saying to them. You can't make it to the goal, eternal life, if you don't eat this bread that I have for you. God is here providing every single one of us with the food that we need for the journey. And the food that we need for the journey isn't just food. It's himself. It's his flesh. God knows I can't, we can't do this on our own, and you don't just need food. You need me. You need me if you want to make it to the end of this journey, which is, which is heaven, which is him. That's the only way that we can actually make it to where we're called to go. So I think the words of the angel that, she, that he told to Elijah are appropriate words for us, particularly today. As we're at Mass today, wherever we're at, God says, come, arise, and eat the food that I have prepared for you. Or else this journey is going to be too great for you. Come and eat the food that I desire to give to you, or else this journey will be too great for you. We can't make it without this food. We can't make it without Jesus Christ. And we've said that in some way, shape, or form through the readings, I believe, over the last three weeks now. And we're not done yet. We've still got, I think, two more weeks to go, sitting in John chapter 6. The church holds us here for almost like an extended period of time. I think that, that two reasons jump out at me for that. Number one, because she knows just how important it is. We can't miss the reality of this. She knows this is the central truth of our faith. And the Eucharist is every source of grace and every source of blessing. We can't live without it. And so she, she holds us here for so long to allow us to drink it in slowly as we continue to hear it again and again and again and sinks a little bit more deeply. I think that's her hope at least. But I think she holds us here too because as we, sit, as we continue to hear it, things arise in our hearts just like they did in the people in the gospel today. Jesus had been saying all, he'd been repeating himself again and again and again. And the people in the, in, the, in the gospel are murmuring, and they're saying, like, essentially, can Jesus really do that? Like, can this really actually do, like, can all that's what he's saying actually be true? The beautiful and honest questions that arise in their hearts. Can Jesus really do that? Can this bread that I receive every Sunday or every time I come to Mass, can this bread actually satisfy me and lead me to eternal life? That's a great question. 
I think that's the question that we all have to come to a, to a definitive conclusion to. And not just at a one-time thing, but like every single day reminding myself, do I really believe that this is the bread that's going to give me eternal life? That this is Jesus Christ? And I think something as I was reflecting on like, because I mean, honestly, those questions arise up in my own heart. Like, is God actually there? Is God actually listening to me? That's not something that any of us, I think, ever grow out of. Our faith is not weak when those questions rise up in our hearts. There's a beautiful honesty there. And as I was reflecting on, like, what, what is it that leads me to ask those kinds of questions? Like, can Jesus really do that? Is when I don't allow God to speak particularly to what's going on in my heart. A lot of times when I'm praying or when I'm, I'm reading things, things very much stay in, the, in like, the general platitude area. I, I hear a lot of nice things that I believe are true. But I don't actually take the step to, to opening my heart to the Lord and seeing how this nice, true thing applies to my life. When I stay on the level of like general platitudes, that, those are good, but that only does so much for me. Eventually, that doesn't satisfy. I don't have peace in my heart by hearing these general things that I, even if I know they're true, there's something different that happens when I push through the general and ask God, what does this general thing mean for me, right here, right now, today, in this experience in my life? And none of us has the same day twice. Which means God has a particular answer for every single one of us, every time we take these general principles that we hear at Mass, or we hear when we listen to talks and things, and apply it to what's going on and where my heart is right now. Because your heart today is different than your heart was last Sunday or much less yesterday. Our heart is always in a, in a different place. And the invitation, I think, is to push through the general and really do the work of allowing God to speak to what is going on in my, in my life and in my heart right now. Which can be hard. Because it feels like there's times when I come to the Lord and I open up my heart and I don't find the answer. I don't feel like He's speaking. And so when I feel that, I pull back. Maybe He's not going to answer this time. And so I stay on the general, and then I, I question, does Jesus really care about this for me right now, today, even in this? I was drawn to, as I was just reflecting on how my heart responds to that, what makes me pull back is when I don't have the whole picture. And I was brought to mind what we say every time we pray to our Father, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread. We want the whole feast. We want the whole picture. God, this is what's going on in my life, and I need to know right now how everything is going to play out. But Jesus teaches us to ask for the daily bread. Give me enough for today. That's a really hard thing to ask. Because what that does, it kind of holds me in tension between like God, like experiencing God's providence for me today, but it also keeps me in a place of trust. That, like, I have to trust that he's going to provide tomorrow. It's hard to, to accept our daily bread and nothing more. Because I, I, it, it, it holds me in that tension. I think that's the invitation for us today. Jesus desires to give us this bread of eternal life. He desires to give us himself. But a lot of times he gives us our daily bread. Pray today for the grace to, to be satisfied with the daily bread. Because what that daily bread does is that I experience how God loves me today and how God is working in my life today.
And it also deepens the trust that is going to continue to provide for me tomorrow. Lord, give us today our daily bread, both today and every day, and deepen the trust that you always and every day will give us that daily bread. Amen.